Welcome to episode number 74 of the Video Game History Hour, presented by the Video Game History Foundation. Every episode, we'll be bringing in an expert guest, someone who has done their research or lived through it and has an interesting story from video game history to tell. My name is Kelsey Lewin. I'm the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, and I'm here, as always, with Frank Cifaldi, the founder and co-director of the Video Game History Foundation. And our guest today is Nob Ogasawara, who's here to talk to us about his career in video games, mainly in localization going back to the 90s. But uh, I'm going to ask him about his time uh, writing for EGM as well. Nob, thank you for joining us at the Video Game History Hour. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so why don't you tell us about uh, your background and how you first got involved in uh, the video game industry? Uh well, I'm all, you know, well, okay, you don't know how old I am in front of you. Okay, okay. I'm 60 years old. I just turned 60 yesterday. And uh, so, so happy I got, birthday. You know, happy birthday. Wait, oh, you. that means you share a birthday with the Video Game History Foundation. That's true. Oh, really? That, okay. Yesterday, right. February Wait, 27th. And with Pokemon? <laughs> you share a birthday with Pokemon and you localize the first Pokemon games? That's that's, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I, I started, I guess. Well, I, I was living in Japan. I left. I moved from Vancouver, Canada, to Japan after I graduated from university because you know prospects were kind of limited at the time. So uh, I, I lived in. I started living in Japan from 1985, and uh, in 1988, I went on a ski trip with my with my wife to be and my buddy, and we we, we you know at, at the end. They had a set-top box of uh, you know Famicom games, and you know you put you put in a what couple hundred a couple hundred yen, and you get to play for twenty minutes, and uh, that's where I discovered Mario, Super Mario Brothers, and that's where it all really started, because you know the earlier Pong stuff and that that was too primitive. I I get bored. I played it, got bored of it, done. Video games was like wasn't really on the horizon, and then. Uh, after I got into you know, after I got into Super Mario Bros., I thought, well, this is fun, and I started buying all these other games, and, and I looked around. You know, I was a writer back then, so I was thinking, well, geez, I need I need to write this off. This you know, video game stuff is costing me a ton of money, and I need some sort of a way of using it as a tax write off. So uh, I wrote to a couple of British magazines and GamePro, EGM. And I got hired by a British magazine. Just, and I started writing for them. And then in '89, EGM contacted me. Well, would you like to write for? Come write for us. And I go, well, sure. And uh, Ed Semrad, the editor in chief there, and uh, Dano, Dano, I think Dan, he he was one of these uh, He was one of these uh, big, you know, one of the editing staff or the writing staff. And they came over for, uh, what was it, no, Tokyo Game Show, where they were showing off Street Fighter 2 Turbo or something, or, and in Genesis, uh, Street Fighter, I believe it was. And they took a shine to me, and that was it. That was my start in video, that was my start in journalism. Wow, and uh, listeners of the show, if, if the if the name Ed Semrad sounds familiar, uh, we talked about Ed. I don't remember which episode number, but it was the episode uh, where we talked about our our trip to Chicago, where we actually uh, went when visited Ed, which which you might appreciate knowing. Now. <laughs> um, so was 
he he's he's still a character uh as is his wife as is his dog chewbacca um (laughs) so uh so was your beat just man on the street in japan is that what you were doing for these western magazines i mean nobody had a had you know a local guy on the ground except for um what's that video game fan Oh, diehard game fan. Diehard game fan. Yeah, that 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 fellow was already involved. It was already in place. But yeah, I was. I was. There, there, there. We are pretty rare underground, like foreign report, foreign correspondents in Japan. I think there was a a French magazine, Jean Claude or something. Had there was another guy there, but you know, we were pretty rare. We were a pretty rare breed. And then I just, uh, and I just get on the horn and just you know call up companies, uh, ask for the PR people. And try to shake them down for news. And I'd go to dolls shows and yeah, bought my own camera. <laughs> Got to pretend to be a journalist. So we're we're like early nineties here. When you're when you're calling Japanese companies trying to get PR on Japanese products, do you kind of have to pretend that you're writing for a Japanese magazine? Because this is not news that's meant for America, right? No, I was upfront about it. I just like, I just bullshit them. You know, we're we're number America's number one magazine, video <laughs> game magazine, and we love we love your games. We'd love to introduce Japanese culture to America. BS, 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 BS. Yeah. <laughs> what great framing, though. That's a, <laughs> that's yeah, a good way to. We tell them, like, you know, hey, you're doing twice the business you are in Japan in the states. So, and we're number one. We can get the news out and. I, you know, kind of bending journalistic integrity here, but I did allow them to, like, look at the copy I was sending to the States. Mm. Well, look, if you don't like the wording here, if you want, you know, if you want to tweak it, fine. I'm not going to, like, get, I'm not going to, like, uh, compromise and make bullshit up to, you know, fluff up your game. But if you don't want me to say certain things about your games, you know, it gave them a little bit of control, so they felt they could trust me and there were some companies that were good about giving me giving me you know material and then like there were people like name names come on come on it's been a long time well capcom (laughs) were awful capcom were like they got their huge swelled heads from street fighter so like i had one pr guy actually go like well you only want information about street fighter and that's not true but (laughs) you know he, he just so yeah so and this was the same time that Capcom already had a bad relationship with the Japanese press too, for being that kind of arrogant. Got it. Right, because for for a while there, uh, like Capcom's like robot fighting game, that those they never got any ink in the Japanese press because of that for just being just such horrible to de- horrible people to deal with. <laughs> so. Um, I'm just trying to think back to those columns because I was an EGM reader at the time and, okay. and I'm still surrounded by them, actually. Um, but uh, so you're kind of coming in with the news. Um, I feel like a lot of times when there's preview screenshots in the issues, it's it's Ed kind of going to the shows and taking photographs. Right. So was was this a collaborative process or were you just kind of faxing things to them to figure out or, or, or how did you go about um, that? Yeah, I was just sending a lot. Of, I just mailed out a lot of stuff for them. Um, 
like Ed would come over for for the big shows like Tokyo Game Show, Nintendo Space World, that sort of thing. And we go to the shows, and then he'd just go and hold, and then he'd just go hole up in his hotel on Steve's Steve's dime for a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Ed, Ed was late. Ed, Ed didn't. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. We'd go to we do we'd go to a show. We we'd cover it for and then Ed guzzle his coats and then uh, he'd take his photos. I take my photos, and I'd go home and I'd write it up and go here Ed and then Ed would just go okay well all right I'm gonna hole up in the hotel for a week on ski you know and just not do none. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, something worth mentioning actually at this point I think is that. Um, as you're doing this coverage, as you're doing work, as you're working with PR, um, they are sending you things like artwork on film to use in publications and uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yep. Um, Nintendo was identical in the way they, they, they dealt with most press. They would just send out uh, the posies for yeah. well, usually four pictures, four four screenshots, and then um, a little. You know, A4, A4 information sheet, and that was pretty much it from Nintendo. Like, uh, and quite often, like two weeks before release, so it's just like, well, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really help EGM with their, you know, two months, three months lead time. But that was how Nintendo dealt with things. And then, uh, if I, you know, I'd go, and then otherwise, you know, whatever I can get glean from shows was what Nintendo would give us, basically. But it all depended on um, people like BPS would be perfectly happy to lend us ROMs and like you know give us complete games. Um, it all depended. Sega was pretty good. Konami was like okay, and uh, you know Tana, Takara Tomi when they were doing the uh, Fatal Fury and that on Super Famicom, they were they were really good about giving me giving me heads up and giving me information. It it all depended on the PR person really. So Square Enix used to be awful. Well, not Square Enix. Square used to be awful until the Square. No, Enix used to be awful until they got rid of the <laughs> PR guys who everybody hated. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the the reason I brought up the uh, the physical things is because Knob actually um, maybe a year or two ago uh, anything that he had left he boxed up and and donated to us here at the Video Game History Foundation. So that is that is being uh, incorporated into our library. So thank you again for that, Knob. That was very no, no problem. Yeah, no, well, and very well packaged, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> well, what am I going to do with it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it, it was cool it was all you know pauses and slides and it was cool and but i'm not a collector and what better people to give it to you than to people you know that involved in the preservation of the culture of the history of video games so yeah keep at it great testimonial thank you <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that on our website um so yeah tell us kind of how that turned into the localization gig i mean you were doing journalism for a while but then eventually you end up working on the pokemon games or actually that wasn't your first one was it you you did no, like Terra enigma before that i think i did Terra enigma before that and i also did a couple i did like sunsoft sunman 
Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, the NES game? Yeah, I don't it yeah, was never that's... it was never released in America. No, it was never released, but the ROM's online and you're welcome. I did that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It was, I guess it was like released in Europe or something. No, sure. it was not released. It was anywhere. never not released at all. Okay. Yeah. And I worked on something by Jalico, but we don't mention Jalico. <laughs> Do you remember which game though? I don't know, some, it was a Super Famicom brawler game, like, you know, like a Final Fight rip gotcha. Yeah. Number, oh, it, was a, it, it had a three at the end of it or something. I don't remember very well. Sunman is an early Kenji Eno game. Um, and for those who haven't seen it, it is, uh, it actually started life, I don't know if you know this, Nob, as a Superman game, but they couldn't secure the license. <laughs> um, so they just colored Superman red called him sun man and it's uh it's vaguely reminiscent i'd say of the superman arcade game from whoever that was kemco i think um and and uh <laughs> you know kind of i wouldn't I won't say rip off but reminiscent and uh weird little action game about a a sunsoft superhero that uh yeah that yeah, was never released well, anywhere yeah well you know low, <laughs> we're talking <laughs> we're talking second division <laughs> second division so yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, um, well, I got into localization. Well, I was, I had a falling over with EGM. Uh, Ed Semrad is a character and we, we, we butted heads constantly and I couldn't take it anymore. And I bailed and I joined GamePro and uh, we went to the N64 launch, not the launch, but the, um, the N64 reveal with GamePro with the editor Wes Nihei, and I happened to see uh, Peter Main, who was the executive VP of Nintendo on NOA, and I just ran up to him, do an impromptu interview, and we shot the breeze about this and that, and they go, how do you, you know, how do you like this, and, and he asked me opinions on the Japanese market, and then uh, just so happened that he, and Wes Nihei sat beside each other on the bus out to the airport on the way out of the show. And uh, Peter remembered me and he goes, hey, I like that kid. You know, I think he's pretty, you know, he's pretty smart. And he's like, yeah, he knows his stuff. So, like, uh, do you mind if we poach him for Nintendo? <laughs> and, it, and Wes goes, hey, well, listen up. Uh, Peter Main wants you for Nintendo. I'm like, oh, like, oh. Okay, <laughs> so uh, you know, I went. I interviewed. I, I spoke with Nintendo, and they put me. They they put. I don't know. They got a couple of the localization, and uh, they didn't know what to do with me. Really, the guys that you know, we got this guy who can speak Japanese, who's a good translator. They'll do something with him. So, so a couple of guys um, at Nintendo decided, okay, well, maybe we can give him a test on Terra Enigma. And that's where it all started. And uh, I left Japan right in 96, right when the Terra Enigma project was starting to go. And I just moved back to Bern, you know, uh, a, a suburb of uh, Vancouver. And they, they go, okay, well, here's the text. And I go, okay, right. Uh, could I take like three months to do this? And they go, no. <laughs> you can do months. And I'm like, oh. So how do they hand you the text back then? I mean, is it literally just like lines of script? Is it like, like, what are you working with when they're saying translate this? 
lines of text. Just they gave me they gave me a word file, and it's not even in chronological order. Oh no, no. What is it? Chrono- well, what they did, what video game programming is like quite often. Set, it's all play, play specific. So, like, if you're in a certain town, everybody's dialogue is in chronological order, but they don't tell you this is after something happened over here. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you don't know, like, why? Okay, so people are talking about the lion being alive over here, and then next chunk of text is like the lion's already dead, and just like, so you don't really know what the hell happened. So you're trying to like piece together the plot of the story just from like, okay, it's clearly something happened here. Where did that happen? Yeah. I, you know, read the whole text over, but sometimes it's just graphics that are just being shown. So you, I have no idea. So that's, Terra Enigma was hard to translate. Well, did you have the Japanese game to at least reference? Yeah, but you know, but you also had a month, which is yeah. Not... But I mean, I, the Fair Enigma is like a hard game too, so I had to like. Uh, I ended up telling them, "Give me a videotape in sequence. I'll watch that." But even then, it's still like you know, there's a lot of stuff missing from the one playthrough because you know, Terra Enigma had different text choices that impacted the the story as well. So they only showed me the one place so I don't know what the hell, like what happens if uh, Jean-Pierre in Paris refuses to do a certain thing that Dr. Beluga wanted. So I just like, well, I guess I better guess. <laughs> so that was, that was really, really hard, yeah. Okay, so do you, are you an employee of Nintendo of America? No, never Okay, so you're, so you're a contractor that, that, that localizes? Yes. Got it, okay. Because... Yes. So how does that fit in? Because they had their own internal team for localization, right? Treehouse. Not that early. Not, they didn't? They already did. Um, by the time I joined them, um, they they just completed Earthbound. Okay. Using internal staff. But that apparently was like a traumatic experience for them as well. <laughs> with uh, Shigesato Ito, Itoi, you know, leaning over their shoulders and like, checking it out and being being <laughs> hypercritical and earthbound already had bombed by then so they were like very reluctant to you know invest money in localizations anyway and if you know Terra Nigman they never, never did get the US release either right so yeah like yeah earthbound is like it's still a bad word around there <laughs> Why won't they release the new one? Yeah, no, did no, your... no, they, just, they just worked into it. So Terranigma didn't ship in the US, um, but it did ship in the UK. So was that your localization in the UK? I believe it was. Yeah, I don't think they would spend that, all that extra money on a game that's a tur- that they considered a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a contractor... Who are you reporting to at Nintendo? Uh, Hiro Nakamura and uh, what was his name? God, I can't remember his name. He he he's he he's the guy. Hiro Nakamura and this other fella is uh, is are the two guys credited with the uh, Terra Enigma translation. 
but they just stole mine. They just took my credit. So yeah. <laughs> and I guess the the English raw English version that I did was also the basis of all the, you know, German, the French, and whatever Euro country Euro versions as well. But I hear the German version was you know pretty much like dated what they how what the hell they wanted. So that's you know cool by me. Um. So that's your first assignment. I mean, where do you go from there? Like, is there? Is there a couple other weird ones before you're you're handed this 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 odd Pokemon game? No, the uh, after after Terra Enigma, um, they got well. They called me up out of the blue and said, "Like, look, what do you know about Pokemon?" And I go, uh, "I've been playing it. I like it. Came out on my birthday." And they go, "Oh, great! Come, we want to come down, come down for a test." And I go, "Okay, well, fine. Test. Okay, all right, whatever." And, um, you know, drove three hours down to Seattle from Vancouver, and uh, they put me in a little dinky, you know, dinky office with a whiteboard, and there's a bunch of questions on there, like, what's the first evil of Pikachu, and, like, you know, does, does this does this Pokemon evolve, or what, was, what are the evolutions back then? Wait, hold on, they're testing you on your Pokemon knowledge? Basically, yeah, how well do you know this stuff? And I go, Interesting. Well, yeah, and I, I pretty much see that I couldn't remember Vaporeon or something like that. Well, the showers, but otherwise, oh yeah, they got great Japanese names. They're yeah, so I, 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 yeah, <laughs> and I I managed to do all well well on that, and they go great. Uh, we want we're going to localize this, and I go okay, and they go you know, but truth be, how do you think this thing's going to actually do Pokemon? JRPGs are like, you know, were a non-starter back then. You know, we just went through Earthbound, and that was a disaster for you guys. And uh, you guys didn't even do, uh, you know, Terranigma over here. Well, and like Dragon Quest, going back even further, it's like, yeah, yeah JRPGs exactly. are pretty much... They might be like a bad word at Nintendo in this yeah, era, I think. Yeah, it was a pretty niche... <laughs> niche market right and um so i was like and to be honest i mean game boy was already a dying console back then in yeah i think people forget that when they think about yeah, pokemon like, you know it's like, like it, it was what, pretty old at that yeah point. it came out what 93 or something and you know 89 <laughs> oh okay, well, nice, nice unison there frank that's good <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know it's like tetris has already run the course and like uh by the time pokemon came out the release calendar was you know even in japan was down to like 30 40 40 titles and there wasn't much in the pipeline for game boy anymore and you know, a JRPGs being, you know, a niche interest market. I didn't, you know, I, I, I said to them, well, I don't know. I don't, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be a, a massive success, but I think it's, a, I told them, I think it's a good game. It's a, it's a fun game, but you're going to have to do a hell of a lot of marketing to make this thing fly. And, both, you know, Hero and the other guys looked at each other and they go, yeah, that sounds, that's about where we're at. You passed the test. Yeah, so <laughs> they, got me, they got me started writing and then 
that was like a nightmare in itself too. Again, because nobody knew how to set up files for localizers then. So again, I got a whole bunch of text on place-specific chunks of text that are in chronological order, but not related. There's no chronology to each file, so the way they the way they would connect anyway chronologically. So it was a lot of guesswork involved. Plus, they would just hand me stuff lines like variable one, variable two, variable three, variable four, exclamation mark. Wait, what? What is that even? What is that even meant to mean? Exactly right. <laughs> and, then I, and then I thought about it. This has to mean wild Pokemon, wild Pikachu used move. That's got to be it. So wow. I, had to, I had to reason all that out and I just like yeah like that was horrifying <laughs> I figured it out I muddled it out and I sent it to Nintendo Nintendo and they sent it to Nintendo Japan to for the you know chief programmer Mr. Murakami who was uh you know I guess he was heading the local the translation localization over Nintendo and like at first, you know, there's no way I could avoid text problems and like text bugs and that, you know, working under that kind of condition. So we came up with like hundreds of text bugs, and he was like really unimpressed with me. And then uh, the and then the European localization start started based on my text, and they they came out with thousands. Oh, <laughs> made you look good. Yeah, and then, then he realized, holy cow, like this this knob guy is actually pretty good. And he, he actually called me a god. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so, I can't imagine. So, um, I have what you might call very minor sort of localization experience in that I've, I've worked on uh, a fan translation of a game okay. uh, as, as a patch. And um, it was the original Fantasy Star for, for okay. the, the Master System, and um, the process that I had, I'm sure you would have killed for back then, which is that I had the complete build tools okay. to, you know, change the text in the game, hit build, load my save state in an emulator, see how it looked, go, nah, I don't like the way that looks on the screen. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, hell no! I didn't even have a text editor or anything. <laughs> I'm serious. I had to use, uh, I basically set up my own tabs and I had to use um, same size font, like times. Uh, so like, you know, W is just, just the same width as I and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and I'd set the tab for 18 characters. <laughs> and yes. if it spilled over, I'd have to, you know, muck around with that. And it was, awful <laughs> the first line i had 18 characters i mean that fits congratulations barely <laughs> you know <laughs> and then for the second line it would they would have a text a scroll prompt so i'd only have 17 characters in the second second line and this for fitting in like japanese dialogue that go on for multiple windows and I mean, it just it was insane yeah, I wanna I wanna like touch on that a little bit. I don't think this is something that's obvious to a lot of people, but like you can fit 
a lot more Japanese into a smaller space than you could fit uh, like English language text, right? So you're kind of always in any localization project butting up against that. Like you have to shorten it always pretty much. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, the way it works is like the Japanese language is like uh, Japanese letters, alphabet, you know, the letters are all set up as, you know, vowel consonant pairs. So physically, even writing out the same, same sounding out the same word in English would take twice as long in in English when it's when it's when it's written out. It's just the physical limitations of the language itself. So, yeah, I mean everything grew to double the length in English, and sometimes you don't have the luxury of space. You know, item names, place names, Pokemon names, etc. Like. Not that easy to do. <laughs> so, I mean, there is sort of a difference between translation and localization, right? I mean, is that are are you doing one or the other at that point? Wow, well, for me, it was all the same. It's just like you know, it's just it's just a matter of degree, really, in translation and localization. I mean, I'm, look, I'm a really good translator. I can look at the Japanese and I can get. I'm really, really good at not having to localize as much to get the Japanese across. But there are people that, you know, would rather enter enter their own jokes and et cetera. I mean, it's just, it's a matter of degree. It's like, um, how capable are you of uh, sticking to, of getting the original Japanese across? And I was pretty good. I, I was pretty good at that without having to resort to you know, some really serious localization, but it's like, it's, it's all just one, it's all one continuum. But there are situations, of course, where you have to do a little oh, bit absolutely. more, like, I mean, just in, in the first Pokemon game, I think most people would remember the, uh, the guy who's laying down and blocking your way. And he's like, I really need my coffee. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know why someone would be laid out flat. Cause they really need their coffee. Yeah. That was, that's, yeah, that's not really so much localization. That's more having to deal with NOA legal. Yeah. You know, that, this is a game, you know, rated E10, E, you know, everybody 10 and under. So there's <laughs> no way in hell we were going to have a, a drunk bro block in the road. So, <laughs> Mr. But I, I, but but then there's things like like word puns and things that you kind of have to localize that don't oh, make yeah, sense. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, those those ones, yeah, and like uh, and things that they would not tell you that's there. Like you know, why is this guy talking so weird? What is this weird rhythm that he's you know the weird cadence that he's talking? And then you realize five, seven, five. Oh, he's talking in haiku. <laughs> all right challenge accepted so i would write haiku as well and i I would you know and i would make a i would put a note of it in in the translator translator notes but i didn't really care i mean i would put those in but i wouldn't i didn't really care about the end reader so much then it's just they they notice that i'm writing in haiku awesome cool but if they don't tough Do you have any specific memories while we're while we're on the sort of the first Pokemon game? Because I mean, this is 
you know, your first sort of breakout project that was a success. Does, does anything come to mind for you in terms of um, like specific lines you're proud of or, or things that were particularly hard or anything like that? Mm. Well, the famous shorts line. I mean, that lot, that whole exchange with the <laughs> shorts kid is like a lot longer in the original Japanese but, you know, you should wear shorts or they're really comfortable and easy to wear. And, you know, it's just, it was really long. And I thought, well, this doesn't add anything to the stupid, to the, to the story. So here, just like, I'll oh, just, okay, this is what the guy's saying. Here you go. Boom. I, I, didn't, I, really, I didn't realize it was going to take a life on its own. <laughs> well, it's funny. That's funny to me, even in Japanese. And maybe it's not funny to people in Japan, but like just the idea of a kid preaching about shorts in any like no matter how much text is there it's like that that is kind of silly um frank because i know you're not as familiar with the pokemon games mm -hmm. uh this is a youngster joey in the first game who um as he challenges you to battle says hi i like shorts they're comfy and easy to wear <laughs> <laughs> well so what what's it like in japanese then oh it was, it was just the same thing, but just a lot longer. But I was kind of going, I'm not going to scroll. You make you know, <laughs> English players scroll three times through this inane conversation. Oh, like, that had oh, to be an inside joke or something. Like someone I, on staff was just like a, a shorts enthusiast that wouldn't shut up or something. I, you know, I was like, I wasn't about to second guess. I just look, this is what you get. <laughs> 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 and then uh, other things like you know nuggets were like the word the, like the concept of nuggets in Japanese nuggets were named gold orb, which is uh, which is slang for testicles. Mm. <laughs> so like when the man you know is like hey here's my you know here's my here's my nuggets of wisdom you know here I have two it's like. He wasn't saying nuggets. Here's here's a golden orb. In fact, here take two. I mean, that was that was like it was a really lowbrow Japanese joke, right? For aimed at kids, but like NOA legal would would have would have crapped themselves. It's so funny. It's very like um, it reminds me of the humor of like uh, Korokoro magazine and those kind of yeah, like it, and I I don't know maybe we just kind of have a different way we approach kids in the u.s i mean i think they're still making the butt jokes and the poop jokes and that sort of thing here i'm, I'm i don't have kids of my own but i assume that like eight-year-olds and stuff are still doing that yeah, here anyways yeah, but it's like taboo to acknowledge that they're doing that whereas in japan they're like yeah kids make poop jokes that's funny yep, yep. Well, <laughs> and then they like, go well, and then they would have like the what the beauties who would say you know would say what could be construed as propositions to kids, and I go well, it's all right if you're talking to a little boy character sort of, but when you're talking to a you know girl character, um, no, don't do that. Right? <laughs> so there, there's things that you have to tone down. Just like this, no, this this will not apply. Was legal. And or like the hiker that would be that would had hay fever, he was he didn't have hay fever. He was laughing his ass off because he's off his face on magic mushrooms. <laughs> and like, um, 
drug taking in an E10 game, no. Yeah, <laughs> probably wasn't going to fly at a at Nintendo of America. No, and so rather than you know going down and like putting it in and then going down in flames and catching hell from NOA for doing that, it's just like okay, preemptively, okay, screw it, no, well, we're going to water it down. So that yeah, that's where I did my localization. I probably got hung for it by the. Uh, Localizers are evil crowd, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> did did you did you try to? I mean, you're doing the sort of preemptive editing, but was did, did you try to sneak anything in? No, not really. I mean, you know, I, I like I love double entendres and that, but I, I'm I you know I I was. I played a pretty you know, play. I, I I went with what they told me to do, like stick to the Japanese and don't f- around. Okay, oops, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> don't screw around. So yeah, so yeah, no, no, not too much fooling around there. I don't think too many. I don't think there's gonna be too many cases of you know people yelling at me. That's local evil localization. I mean, I didn't put right. You know, I didn't put hamburgers in for onigiri. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't on me. Yeah, so there's, there's a very um, uh, infamous localization with the Pokemon anime where, uh, yeah, they're they're eating rice balls and calling them jelly donuts, which is really <laughs> yeah, very silly. Well, yeah, well, it's, you know, if you're pretend, you know, you're pretending an obviously Japanese setting to be, you know, somewhere in America, so right, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're always going to have problems, just like. Just like in the uh, Ace Attorneys. Yeah. It kind of changed the art for those poor guys. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. So, um, I mean, Pokemon comes out and it's maybe not like overnight an instant hit, but it's pretty, it catches on pretty quickly in the U.S. Oh, no, it was overnight. It was, it was the, the way it worked out. I mean, uh, the anime was came out and it the enemy took off like a rocket there's no no other way to describe it and just like uh so kids were already all of a sudden like intrigued but the cards didn't come out for another half a year the toys merchandise that was already happening in japan in a massive scale but that wasn't ready for the states yet so the only character goods i guess you might call it, like you know like licensed pokemon merchandise available were the games and it came out like what two weeks after the anime's airing and it was hot it was it was it was white hot so like the games disappeared pretty much overnight i mean i was amazed we nintendo only made an x number of them and we were told if you only if we only sell half of them you guys are fired. Wait, so who's fired? You no, or me, yeah, me, 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 and like uh, Hero and uh, yeah, a couple. Wow, you know, the, the tiny Pokemon team of three people back then. You guys are fired if we don't do you know, if we don't shift half of them. So nothing to worry about there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious about all of this and how much involvement you had in some of this because you know there, there's kind of stories from the the early days of bringing. Pokemon to the States where like they were playing around with making some fairly drastic changes to it, like um, changing the way some of the Pokemon looked so that they'd be more, you know, quote unquote Americanized oh, yeah, and that yeah, sort yeah. of Pikachu thing. Was 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were was that anything that like you were privy to or involved oh, in? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Strictly, you know, I'm a strictly subcontractor and like uh, on a need to know basis. Okay. The translator doesn't need to know a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd like, you know, the work for them, like, to be, like, you know, working in a mushroom fire, covering me in bullshit, and yeah, keep me in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of your autobiography? No, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read that. You know, that's I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I never felt all that respected ever, so how's that? <laughs> Did any of this change when Pokemon takes off? Like, were people suddenly like, hey, you know what? Um, this guy helped this game become a huge success. Or were you just were you just thought of as, like, you know, a gear in the system rather than, like, a major part of... Uh... Gear, cog. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you had done a bad job, we would have all noticed. So, I, yeah, I think... Yeah. <laughs> Like I never, they, well, like I mean, I've never trusted with place names or Pokemon names and you know item names, all that sort of stuff. All that decision was decisions were a little higher on the pay scale. So uh, you know, I just got given here's a list of names, use them. Here's a list of you know, here's another list of place names, use them. And I go, well, these names are like horrifying. <laughs> you know? Yeah, were you ever able to push back on any of that stuff? Because I know eventually you named a few Pokemon, but I did eventually. But yeah, like that, you know, the first several generations, it took a while before I established trust. I mean, I almost got canned in the first, you know, during Red and Blue because uh, there's a trainer, a girl with uh, with Suspiro. And she's talking about that. You should give your, you know, Pokemon special names, you know, to, so you can be more, you can be, you can feel closer to your Pokemon. If like, see, look, my my Spiro, I named her Brittany. <laughs> I and, love that. Oh boy! <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, a, don't ever do that again. Wow. Really? And I'm just like, and then here, you know, I I look at the last generation. Hey, there's a there's a beavern or something like a, a beaver Pokemon, and it's named Justin. Oh, that was in Animal Crossing. Never mind. Yeah, but Justin <laughs> Beaver, and I'm just like, wow, how times have changed. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, gosh, you're talking about Animal Crossing, like that that this most recent game is like full of memes. It's right, very yeah. internet culture and pop culture and stuff centric oh, and. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't, I don't know what the uh, ideal situation is, but I feel like you can. There's something like Britney Spiro is uh, is not nearly as um, distracting, I guess, as you know, a whole well, game. Well, they, well, I can't remember. I mean, like Generation Gen Four or something. There were a few, I you know, few things I put in there, like For the Win and Lol and stuff, and the people were pissed at that. <laughs> Well, when you say people, do you mean Nintendo or do you mean fans? Oh, no, no, fans. fans really? You put memes in your games. And I go, well, there's <laughs> hundreds of trainers in these games, hundreds of characters. Some of them are going to talk in memes. I'm sorry. I mean, what? Some of your, I mean, kids talk in memes. Right. 
Right? But, like, it's just like, you know, what, you want everybody to talk exactly the same with the same Midwest, you know, speech patterns? And, oh, <laughs> God, it's just, it's really horrifying that way, yeah. Well, I mean, what, what I don't know. We've sort of danced around this, this idea of there being uh, critics who are, are maybe like purists, uh, they might call themselves when it, when it comes to the localization process. I mean, wh- what is it that you think people in general don't understand about the needs of localization? An afternoon. No, there, there's just, <laughs> look, the people that are bitching about localization are mostly people that don't even speak Japanese. So like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with those people. It's just like, well, oh, this is deep hell or something, man. Enjoy. You know, I mean, you're never. It just. I, 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 I don't really. I don't read reviews at all, and then I don't. You know, I interactions with fans is mostly mostly through like Twitter and and like and back then it was like bulletin boards and. And I wouldn't just mostly ignore what they had to say because it's just like, well, this isn't really germane to me. This doesn't apply to me. Hell, <laughs> you know, he do a better job. Go ahead, try it. <laughs> yeah. So after Pokemon Red and Blue, I mean, do you start getting a little bit more freedom, a little bit better tools? I mean, how do things start changing from there when you start working on the next games? Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow didn't these things were like primitive and then gold silver gen 2 the no i think it was gen 3 when we went to game boy advance they actually gave me a text text counter at least that let me enter enter text with you know number of proper letters a uh, proper you know spacing in that but uh, it was still primi- pretty primitive. At least I played the crap out of those games, so I knew where things were and what was happening. So it was, it wasn't as horrifying because you know, with Pokemon, like the games were already released, but in Japan we right. weren't doing it simultaneous yet then. So I'd I'd have I'd I'd, I'd have already have played the games a certain you know to. You know, possibly even all the way through, so I could figure out what was going on. So I was just like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. Just here, give me, and I will do." Did you know as these games are coming out that you're going to end up doing the localization for them? Like when when Gold and Silver are coming out, is it like, okay, so we are going to bring these over here? So you might want to pick these up, start studying because you're going to have to start working on them. Well, I mean, like I said, I was already fan before. So, and once, you know, red and blue and yellow took off like rockets, I mean, I was just like, okay, unless I do something really stupid and earn their ire, I'm going to keep, <laughs> this is my, you know, this is my job to lose. <laughs> right. So, um, so, I mean, they don't really give you anything better until like the fourth generation. Cause I know eventually they start trusting It's what fourth gen is when they start trusting you to name a few Pokemon and... Well, with, with like the um, with uh, Ruby Sapphire, I started getting you know, to getting a little bit more leeway into naming stuff, and and where which which generation was that with the old chateau? 
Oh, I, I think that's Gen 4. I'm going to okay, show my yeah. entire... Yes, that is that is Gen 4. Okay, yeah. That's when <laughs> that's when I was starting to, you know, to get a little bit more say. And I would go, like, they wanted... They were just... The old chateau was, like, you know, forest chateau or forest mansion at the time. And then... Uh, the old gateau was was red bean paste cake or something stupid. They just they just translated <laughs> directly, and I looked and I go, no, no, no. They're both Morino Yokan in Japan. That's the pun. We got to preserve that pun. And I said, like, look, no, we can't go with these dumb localized names. Or I let me do let me do this, and. You know, I, you know, it took me like a day just thinking, rack on my brain, what could I do to make these puns work? Like old chateau and then old, that's it, you know, touchdown moment. And it was like, yeah, like a lot of, you know, you know a lot of celebrating going on here, you know, for four little words that I made 80 cents on or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> was but there I, anything like, babe? particularly egregious before that that you were just like oh if only they had let me change this like this is i mean I, just a dumb one off the top of my head i think of like how they named the seal pokemon seal you know mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and i was just like yeah there there's a lot of those i didn't you know much very much care for and the ones that i found really egregious were like the uh you know how pikachu would be described the electric mouse pokemon right Right, they had like all these, like you know, or like you know, ice Pokemon, or like you know, something raccoon dog Pokemon, or whatever. And it's just like, well, that felt so weird to me because Pokemon are the animals of that world. So why the hell would they know words like raccoon dog, or like why the hell would they know <laughs> words like mouse or like deer, or you know, it just it didn't it didn't make sense to me and that, you know, that drove me bananas. And then, uh, the other thing that bothered me a lot was like, um, calling it species, but then having the needle, needle Queens and needle Kings, I guess, you know, they're just, you know, female and males of the same species, but those were listed as different species. And that just, I knew that was going to be a problem going down the road. Right. Yeah, that is like the only Pokemon that because there now there are lots of Pokemon that have, you know, male female differences and they evolve into completely different things, yeah. but they're all considered one species now and now they're and but they weren't back then. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, and it just it used to drive me bananas because I knew this is gonna this is gonna come back and bite you in the ass. When we do second generation, you know, if you're going to do generations later, once you make, once you lie about something, you got to double down on it. <laughs> Did you have a sense that there was going to be more? Like you were, how did, did you feel like this was going to go for a long time or like maybe they'd make one more? Or? Um, I didn't, I, well, I, I, once I started playing red, you know, when I first started playing red and blue, you know, and just as a fan, I saw, well, this is, this got, this has potential. This is fun. And it's, and I could look and I look at the merchandising going around, surrounding it. I mean, Japan gets on, you know, the ball, it gets, 
right, jumps on it, stuff like that, and gets into merchandising really quickly. So I could see there was an industry evolving, developing around Pokemon. So I thought there, there's got to be sequels. There's just no way. This, you know, Nintendo's modus has been like doing sequels like this of this nature. So I, I was, I was pretty certain there's going to be more of this. So, and I thought, well. If we're going to be, and I thought, well, you know, if they've already had different males and females, I could see there's going to be something, there's going to be more gendering of Pokemon coming down the road. So I thought Mr. Mime is a very bad name. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a good Pokemon either, but. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Mr. Mime is a big mistake, and we're gonna come. We're gonna come back and bite your knee out. <laughs> Here we go. There's female Mr. Mimes now. Like I've told you, this is all good. <laughs> I told you, you know. But you know, no people don't. You know, like you shut up and write. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like when decisions are already made, and when uh, when the approval process has already gone through, and legal said it's okay, and we copy, you know, we took out copyrights on these names, we are not going back to that well, son. Yeah, and the, had, you know, it's interesting because there were a couple Pokemon names that changed at least from the first generation, um, from like marketing materials, uh, you know, from the time that they were making some marketing materials to the time the game released um uh, the ones that come to mind for me are uh coughing and wheezing being yeah. uh ny and la <laughs> like new york and la yeah 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 no i thought that was a dumb mistake yeah i, I didn't like those so i was glad they were changed but but it wasn't because of you you didn't no no no, no. <laughs> i was like um, no legal shot those girls so yeah that was fine by me but, you know, coughing and wheezing is still like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, it's yeah. coughing with a K, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> really? But, okay, all right, fine, yeah. We're not going to try one. We're not going to call it mustard gas. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what changes when you start to work on the fourth generation on uh, Diamond and Pearl? Because, you know, this is the first time you start being allowed to name well, things. It was like sh things were shifting around. I mean, well, one of the things, the big, the one real big change I was really proud of in Gen Four was uh, you are challenged by mm. when a battle starts. Like uh, it was all you know. The first gen was like you know, Team Rocket Grunt wants to fight, and then I didn't like fight because I saw well, that's you know, this isn't fighting. This is about. Well, you're still sticking your dog against each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're still Michael Vick, but I mean, like fighting is like is fighting is 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 violent <laughs> and it's hostile. Battling is a sport. <laughs> so, so you know, like uh, somebody wants to battle, and it's a lot of work. Fine, that's good. Yeah, they like they like that, but um, I I I, I you know. And then what happened? What happened after that? Uh, and then, but I could even I could well with 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 generation two there was already multi multi poke multi trainer battles starting to appear, like uh, 
wants to wants to battle doesn't work anymore when you're talking about Ray and Fran or something. Ray and Fran wants to battle. Well, it doesn't work. It has to be want to battle. Oh, and you um, can't just yeah. It's probably difficult to like arbitrarily. Yeah. So they go well, like, well, what do you put? You know, after want, put a bracket s, like you know, wants. To <laughs> this and I said no. That's horrifying. Do not do that. We're not going to do that for the few multi, you know, multi-trainer battles. We're just like, screw it. We'll just leave it at That's the way it goes. It'll be just wants to battle. But they didn't like that. So Generation 3 comes along, and then Gen NOA tells me he came up with a brilliant solution for that wants to battle thing. I'm going to go, yeah, great. What is it? Goes, Would like to battle. Go, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, would like the battle is just that's, that's like what kind of limp? I just it was just so lame. Would like to battle implies that you can politely decline. Yeah, well, it's just like it's just like, <laughs> like your eyes lock. You know, Team Rockets. You know, gives you the eye, and then they would like the well, they would like the battle. Like, oh, you would be so kind. <laughs> oh, no, this, this doesn't work and I, I just hated that about gen 3 you know the leans and and like ruby sour i just hated that I would like to battle i thought that was like the lamest thing ever you know it reminds me of uh the first kind of catchphrase they went with before and this was you know before pokemon actually launched but the first like press kits and stuff said Catch him if you can, instead of gotta catch him all, which is just very like you know if you feel yeah. like it. Yeah, if, yeah. If you're if you want to catch him, like they're there, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it was just like you know exciting music, exciting battle music starts up, and then would like the battle. Like come on, what a <laughs> letdown! So I I hated that for the longest time, and then the generation four is just like how can I do this? How can I make this work? And then. You are challenged by it. Just yeah, turn it around. You know, turn the sentence structure around completely in one eighty, and then you you are challenged by it. right. And, and it's work for me. it's it's still not threatening, but it's yeah, yeah. that's a yeah, really good yeah. compromise. Yeah, you are you are challenged by. It. Plus, it made sense if you had uh, if you're working with an NPC, for instance, like you go in the tunnels and Peter, I think, was uh, would join you through the minds and so i said well look you are challenged by it. like you are it's not just you it's just you and the npc so this works grammatically this is the best solution and i made the change and i just threw it in the text without telling them i said this is i'm just making this change it's not that major but it's like it is, it is this is important and NOA and and Nintendo and Game Freak called wind of that, and they they lost their minds. <laughs> really? Oh, they they were like, "What is this major change?" And they go, "No, it's not. It's not. It's, just, it's not a major change. It's not. It really isn't." But they were like furious, and they uh, and I did it. I pulled. I did that. Like you know, December twenty third or something. <laughs> right when the year end when everyone's like busy and partying and etc. <laughs> and so they when they they got together for meetings and they you know discussed it for like a week and then finally like uh December thirty or something <laughs> they came back to me, okay, you can go with that. But don't ever make major changes without telling us again. Wow. Like, 
holy cow, like really all you talking heads got together and freak out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, this the story kind of bums me out because I feel like by this point in your career you've proven yourself very capable. And so the fact that like you know, this late they're still kind of not trusting you with oh, a change yeah, no, like no, that no, is, is always a short leash. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I understand the justification because it's almost like a marketing branding versus localization thing, right? It's like that, like that, that is canonically the line that happens when a Pokemon fight happens. You know, it's almost going past dialogue at that point. And yeah, but I get it, on, but I'm it's also tomorrow. like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, come on, guys. I mean, you want to really see, you know, team battle would like the battle. <laughs> Come on! Talk about passive writing. <laughs> it's just so silly. So, I i mean, is that kind of where your localization story wraps up? Is you? I know you did some other games past Pokemon, but... Um... I, I ended up doing like 50 games and about half of them are Pokemon. But, right. uh... You know, even like when I was still working on Pokemon, um, Enix, Enix USA, before, you know, pre-merger Enix USA, and this is like, you know, Enix USA after after the first iteration of Enix America died, it was um, Paul Handelman resurrected Enix USA. And they start, they were starting, you know, to bring over games again. Like uh, I think they, before I joined them, they did uh, Valkyrie Profile, mm. right? Yeah, and then um, George Tory, who used to be with Square USA at the time, um, contacted contacted me out of the blue and go, listen, you know, we know, we know, we understand you do game for localizations. We can't pay very much, but you can work on Dragon Quest. <laughs> yeah. So even back then, taking advantage of the fans was a thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Enix, working for Enix USA was like was the most. Holy cow, were they ever tight-fisted. <laughs> but probably the most fun I've ever had. You know, they let me do whatever the hell I please, pretty much. So long as I got, you know, so, so long as I met their stupidly short deadlines and their ridiculous, you know, pay demands. I, I was like, okay, all right, you know, fine. And so I ended up working on uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color uh, Dragon Quest 1-2 pairing. Dragon Quest Three, um, Dragon Quest Monsters Two. So as you're working on, you know, the the original three Dragon Quests, mm-hmm. uh, are you are you sort of referencing the localization that came before it and correcting mistakes, or are you ignoring it? I didn't. You know, I told him, "Well, give me the text if you want me to do it." And then we thought of, we talked about it, me and George, and we decided well, we're not, it's not going to fit. The NES text is too long. Mm. Again, we're we're still working with Game Boy. We're talking eighteen characters per you know times two, right? So, I mean, I wasn't. I'd go like, look to write you. I'd have to use four letters in this old archaic vowel, right? And I said, we got no room for this. We can't. It's not going to work. It's not going to fit. And he agreed, and so he said, oh, so we'll do a clean. 
clean, modern, modernized translation, and we'll just do, you know, let we'll go from we'll see how that goes. And I, I think, I think we did all right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it may. Have, I, I look. I haven't heard too much people complain. I haven't heard many people complain about the Game Boy iterations of Dragon Quest. Um, you know, I've seen people say it's a clean, clean and straightforward localization so I, you know i'll take that you know i th- i think that's something that um maybe goes a little underlooked in localization where like you only notice if someone does a bad job right yeah. like <laughs> if you you kind of go underappreciated if you do a good job because then it's just like great i i got through this you're not thinking about it yeah i was perfectly happy to sell you know i like uh if the game reviews don't mention the translation, then I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I'm just like good. Okay, fine. Just take yeah, yeah. Like you know, the game standing on its own merits, then rather than focusing, you know, on some screw up. <laughs> so how is how's how has the uh, game localization business evolved uh, since then? I mean, we were talking behind, uh, we were talking before the show, and you mentioned that. You know, in your day, there were only a handful of guys, but it, it's a pretty competitive market now. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just so many good people out there. I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> and because of, you know, it's a supply of good translators, good localizers that keep rising. I mean, you know, demand for localizing good tr- translation staff has gone up, obviously. There's a lot more games and, you know, everything manga like light novels there's a lot more demand for our services but the supply of competent translators localizers have also gone up and by a lot more than you know the the demand has so and companies know this, so they can all to go like you know you want to work on Dragon Quest, work for cheap. <laughs> just, yeah, more things fine. change. Yeah, just like fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll work on Dragon Quest for cheap. You know, sure, I'll work on Tornado even with my arm in a sling because I just had recent surgery, etc. Yeah. So is that is that kind of why you stepped away from the localization business? I mean, I have no idea if. Um, Moby Games is accurate, but it lists your last uh, localization credit as 2012. Uh, no, no, no. I've been working, you know, I, I've done more since then. I mean, I worked on like, uh, P, you know, Fantasy Star Online, uh, Fantasy Star Offline, I guess, the DS one. Um, Yakuza 5, Yakuza 0. Uh, oh baby, that was a good one. You gotta yeah. update your Moby games. <laughs> yeah, those are hard. <laughs> those I are bet so... y'all because it must be yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, those are like so Japanese. And then um, the very last project I did it was uh, Mario Sonic 2020 Olympics. No, oh, the wow. the only 2020 Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The only the only proof we have that the 2020 Olympics were were meant to be in 2020 is that what 2020? Mean? Yeah, we were like, <laughs> uh, yeah, me and Steve Meyerlink, and we were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 okay, well, so much for that, but yeah, 
but since then I've been like just like I'm I'm like I said I'm I'm 60 years old now so I'm like uh you know I'm slowing down at the amount of work I'm doing anyway and I, and there's like I'm sorry it's just flat out there's more money working for advertising agencies oh I bet right? yeah so what? you know it's just like I mean, I'm perfectly willing to do work on video games for cheap, but I mean, just you know, when you're when you're getting paid a fifth to a tenth of what I can, you know, when you're working on advertising, it's just like you know, I'm gonna make ends meet somewhere. You ever meet younger localizers who are like, "Oh my God, you did that! That was really inspirational to me." Like, like, do you feel like there's a next generation that you've influenced? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's like. Uh, Guys like Marco Godano and like uh, you know Dave 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 Evelyn, uh, Christina Christina Rose of who works on Super Robot Wars. There's like a lot of really really good people out there. Steiner's another one. Um, like there's so many people I could name right off in that I have get taken to my. I have grabbed the torch and run with it. Like, uh, and then David's like, you know, well, I used to play the video games that you worked on. I used to read EGM. I mean, you were like one of my heroes. And I'm like, well, yay me. (laughs) 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 What, really? Like, I'm just, you know, just, you know, here, I I was just like, you know, like uh, the mushroom farmer. (laughs) 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 And then all, all of a sudden these people are telling me, you were... You're, you know, they're, they're telling me you're an industry legend. I'm just like, hi, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, well, I don't smell nice or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I smell like the the poop that I work in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, yeah, well, like, yeah, keep telling me that. Smell my head. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, I, I was an avid EGM reader as a kid, and and the yeah, Japanese yeah, yeah. stuff fascinated me. So I I remembered your name from back then. I mean, Kelsey. Well, I, uh, yeah, I grew up on Pokemon, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like it was just it's it's very strange to me to be. It just feels very like wow, I did that really. <laughs> and then ones that really blow me away are like uh, kids from well, not kids anymore. People from like Latin America countries and like your well, like people from all over the world have told me I learned to read English so so I you know so I can play Pokemon or I learned how to speak English to reading Pokemon. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> really? That was not the intent. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I I knew Pokemon was uh, was you know entry level JRPG. Right. It was baby's first RPG. Right. I needed to make a. I need I you know I needed to be part of something that was fun. Maybe a little, maybe a little tiny bit of scary. Maybe you know, maybe a little, you know, a little, little exciting. And just but just to ease them in and make it a friendly world for the kids. Well, it worked on me because I play a ton of JRPGs now, and yes, okay. Pokemon was my first one. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, and then you know the ones that break my heart are like kids that you know former kids that tell me my my life and my childhood was really crappy and lonely, and Pokemon was my only companion. I'm just like, oh man, I'm so sorry for you guys, you know, but I'm glad I was there for him. I guess I'm glad Pokemon was there for him. 
Well, Nob, it's been really great having you here on the Video Game History Hour. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll we'll have a link in the show notes, but uh, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on at Doug Dinsdale, one word, D-O-U-G, Dinsdale, D-I-N-S-D-A-L-E on Twitter all the time. And uh, What is that name, Nob? Yeah, you don't know. You don't know your Monty Python. No, no, I guess I don't. <laughs> okay, uh, Doug, Doug, and Dinsdale Piranha were were like London uh, mob mobster mob mob gang leaders. They were dons, and they, you know, with it was in Monty Python. You know, Monty Python Flying Circus, and I thought, well, that's you know, and I thought well, that's kind of a cool name. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I've seen too many guys. There's all all these people with like, you know, uh, Sasurai Ninja type names on 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 you know Twitter and social media. I'll take grabbing cool sounding Japanese names, and I thought, well, all right, if they can do that, I can grab some cool sounding <laughs> white people names. <laughs> you know, to my, yeah, my, my, my I love that humor. <laughs> All right. Well, thank. Well, thanks again. Uh, no, this has been fun. Okay. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Video Game History Hour, brought to you by the Video Game History Foundation. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can find us on Twitter at Game History Hour or email us at podcast at gamehistory.org. Did you know that the Video Game History Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit and that all of your contributions are tax deductible? You can support this podcast and all of our other work on Patreon or at GameHistory.org donate. This episode of the Video Game History Hour was produced by Robin Kunamune and edited by Michael Carroll. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>